You know, as someone who lives in a British colony, it's always confusing to me what constitutes the United Kingdom. My conversation this episode includes a clarification of the difference between Ireland and Northern Ireland and how it fits together with England and Scotland and Wales. I also get the opportunity to chat about some of the troubles that took place in Ireland between Protestant nationalist and Unionist Catholics with my guest this week. It's all a very interesting history that sort of has analogies with Canada's relationship with Quebec. And we take a look at all of that on this episode of The Expats. is a newspaper man in Northern Ireland. His father was originally from Northern Ireland as well. And so in his childhood, growing up in Edmonton, he spent a lot of his time visiting cousins in his father's country of birth. And that's where Colm has been building his life for the last 14 years. He's a father of two. And I had the opportunity to chat with him a couple weeks ago. Uh, I moved to Belfast uh, in the summer of 2001. I think it was early July 2001 to stay. Um, it wasn't my first time in Northern Ireland. My dad is actually from Northern Ireland. He grew up on a farm about 30 miles north of Belfast. So I had always had family here and I was in my mid twenties and I just wanted to do something different in my life. And I had loads of, loads of cousins around my age in Belfast and one of them had a spare room in his house and I was just ready to try something different. So I came here then and then 14 years later, and I'm still here. <laughs> wow, that's that's incredible. So did you actually wind up going to school in Belfast? No, no. I um, I was about 26 when I moved over. Um, I studied, I did the journalism program at Grant McEwen, and then finished that in 1998. And then I worked as a, as a reporter at the Drayton Valley Western Review for about a year and a bit. And then I moved to Whistler, got a job at the Whistler Question newspaper there. And I worked there till about March 2001, and that was about when I sort of hatched the idea that I wanted to come to Ireland for whatever. I didn't really have any set goal in mind. I wanted to come over here and you know, try living over here for a bit. So went back home to Edmonton for a couple months and came over in July 2001, and here I am, still, still here. Interesting. That's great. And uh, obviously, it's a place that you you really enjoy because uh, you've been there for so long, and you and you have a, a whole family that you've built up there. Yeah, yeah. My uh, well, like my dad, as I mentioned, my dad grew up about thirty miles north of here, and so his family all pretty much stayed here. He had a brother that lived in Dublin, but everybody else sort of stayed within seven miles of the family farm. So I was, and so it's a very big Irish family. My dad's from a family of nine, so loads of cousins over here in Ireland. We'd come over here on summers. I mean, I think we spent every second summer here now as a child. So, I mean, I was coming over. It was somewhere new, but it wasn't entirely new. Like I knew what I was getting myself into. I knew I had family here. I sort of had a built-in support system already. So it wasn't coming in cold. And so I always, the funny thing about having, um, you know, growing up is I grew up in Canada and I'm proudly Canadian. But my Irish family is so much bigger than my Canadian one. Yeah. 
that there was more family in Ireland than there was in Canada. So it was always, you know, so that was always, 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 always strange. But so yeah, I came over here and I just sort of took to life here. Um, things have always worked, things have worked out well here. I um, didn't start off working in newspapers here. My first job over here, I worked at a, at a restaurant for a few months. Actually, it was not a few months, it was almost a year I worked at the now defunct Cafe Milano in Belfast. Okay. But um, yeah, then I started getting shifts at one of the local papers here, and I've basically been working in newspapers here since then. Been in my current job for maybe six years this week. Oh wow! Congratulations. Um, thanks. I um, work for the the Irish office of the Daily Mirror. It's um, a British tabloid, and then there are two Irish editions of the Mirror. There is a Northern Ireland edition and a Republic of Ireland edition, and I we do the production for both. I work on the production side. I design pages and copy edit. And we do the production for both papers in Belfast. So we work on both papers. So that's what I currently do. I've been working that paper for almost six years now. Wow. And you actually mentioned the, the, the Ireland and Northern Ireland split, which I was just reading about a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you weren't, when Northern Ireland, there, there was a, a bill that was passed called the... Um, uh, the Northern Ireland Act of 1998. So, mm-hmm. you, so you weren't there when that whole thing was established. No, yeah, I wasn't here. It's more commonly known as the Good Friday Agreement, and that was sort of what I mean. The the bad, the really bad stuff had ended before that, but that sort of copper fastened the peace, and it sort of created the what's now known as the Assembly, which is sort of the the same version that be the provincial legislature. It sort of that all all of that was created from them. So I sort of, it's funny being over here for that. I sort of, the good time, the good times, but for the piece, it just sort of started when I was, I just arrived. And of course, I was not oblivious to it, but it wasn't, you know, I had other things on my mind at the time to sort of get used to. But sort of being here, as I referred to, the peace process has been going on, sort of watching that sort of evolve and grow and sort of Belfast sort of become sort of just, you're just another Western European city yeah. as, as it's gone along. But it's, yeah, it's been, and it was the thing too, having my dad be from here, as locals would say, I know, the, I knew the crack, but it was here. Like I knew there's sort of the, the nuances of life in Northern Ireland to sort of have to understand and sort of live here. Sure. Like just sort of not watch where you go, but you know, there are definite sort of, you know, people are set in their ways and, you know, they're nationalists and unionists and you sort of have to not tread lightly because most people sort of get on all right and they don't bother, but you sort of have to just be worried just in case kind of thing. So it's an interesting place, but it's it's a good place. I, I really enjoy a city. It's a nice, small, compact city to live in and I, I really enjoy it. So, so that, that division, such as it was, I mean, I have a, I always struggle trying to understand what what is England? What is Britain? What is the United Kingdom? So is Nor- Northern Ireland's not its own country? Neither is Scotland. But are do they have a sort of similar arrangement with? Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They both basically Great Britain is sort of a landmass. So it's England, Scotland, and Wales. The United Kingdom, its full name is the United Kingdom of Great Britain, Northern Ireland. So Northern Ireland is part of the United Kingdom. So like Westminster, which is the national parliament, I where we live, we elect an MP for the Westminster Parliament and for the Northern Ireland Assembly as well. So 
Um, so like in Canada, where provincial provincial legislatures have a lot of you know devolved power, it's the same thing here. Health, education, a bunch of other matters are devolved to Stormont, which is the as I mentioned earlier, the provincial the provincial parliament. So it's like a not entirely it's not a perfect analogy, but like a province in Canada, you know, it's part of the United Kingdom. But now there are people who would rather see Northern Ireland part of the Republic of Ireland, which is the rest of for for the listeners who aren't aware of it, basically there are thirty two counties in Ireland and four provinces and Ulster, which is a province that Northern Ireland is in. Six of our six of Ulster's nine counties make up Northern Ireland. So that's where the border is. Okay. So and Belfast is the biggest city in Northern Ireland. So it's the de, it's the de facto capital. But again, it's one of those funny things about Northern Ireland. I mean, you call Belfast the capital, you know, you talk into a nationalist who his capital is Dublin, the capital of the Republic of Ireland. Like you're a nationalist. You don't kind of how hardcore of a nationalist or Republican you are. Yeah. You know, you, you will just a lot of people just choose to willfully ignore the border. You know, they're they call themselves Irish. And one of the things that that Northern Ireland Act, the Good Friday Agreement, gave was people have the right to identify themselves as Irish or British. So you can carry an Irish or a British passport. You know, you can call yourself Irish, call yourself British. That's well within within the law. So it's it's not quite like in Canada where like imagine uh Quebec had done something like that and and uh we gave people from Quebec their own passport. It it seems like it's a step a little bit further away from that. Yeah, yeah, like it is. It's um in terms of that Northern Ireland is technically it's part, it is part of the United Kingdom, but again, that's the whole thing. When you have it's the same thing when Scotland had their referendum as well. Again, in our house you probably very close because my wife was born in Glasgow, so we were sort of keeping an eye on it. But just how much each referendum is different and each sort of constitutional. Any different, but yeah, like it is sort of, yeah, so it is kind of, it is different from Quebec that way. Like, and also, I noticed in Quebec it's different as well because like liberals win elections in Quebec and the PQ win elections in Quebec, and the votes people kind of go from one to the other. Yeah, but here people do vote tribally. Like, I think of the breakdown like 46% of the population classified unionist, 42% come from nationalist Catholic backgrounds, and the rest are quote unquote others. And if you look and if you look at how elections break down, like forty six percent of people vote for unionist parties, forty two or whatever percent of people vote for Catholic nationalist parties. Like there's no sort of if people if if you're a nationalist, you might go from voting from Sinn Fein, which is Republican one like one of the nationalist parties, to the SDLP, which is one of the other nationalist parties, but people won't go from voting for the SDLP to one of like the unionist parties. Yeah. People sort of stay within that. Again, I'm not a total outsider because you can probably gather from my name that I come from a nationalist background, but yet I'm enough of an outsider to sort of watch things as an outsider. Yeah, for and sure. People complain about you know, you know, sectarianism and the divisions in society and the cost of them, and they, it is it's 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 costly and it just it's, it's horrible, but. You know, they have elections and 90% of people vote for travel parties here, so they must seem to like them. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. But, yeah. So tell me and about, we, tell me about the perception of, I mean, obviously you, you have deep, deep roots in Northern Ireland. You, you spent much of your youth there. 
What is what is the attitude of of the Irish towards a Canadian fellow passing as Irish like you? Um, yeah, it's kind of the, the you always have to be worried of being viewed as what they call a plastic fatty, which is basically any drunk idiot you see on White Avenue on St. Patrick's Day. You know that kind of <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm Irish. You sort of have to. I don't know, prove not prove your cred, but I mean, you can't sort of you know just. Irish people are very wary of that people. Well, I'm Irish, you know, I've like cousin my dad's cousin's sister came from Cork four generations ago, so you know, I'm I'm one of you. But no, yes, it's um I mean, because I was when I moved here, I was, you know, stay close to my cousins and I sort of had that built in sort of thing. So there's no real sort of perception. They are wary of, you know, that sort of people that sort of tag themselves as Irish and do that sort of thing. But for the most part, people are very receptive about, especially Canadians. People love Canadians. Like, you know, when you say you're Canadian, people are like, oh, you know, Canadians, you're sound, you're not American, you know, that sort of thing. Every time I get in a taxi in Belfast, nothing makes a Belfast ta- man, taxi man happier than saying, wait, nope, you're not American, are you Canadian? <laughs> you go, yeah, see, I could try, I could try, you're not American. Man. So tell me, tell me what it is about Americans that, uh, that the folks in Belfast dislike? Because I've heard this in a few of the interviews I've done, not a lot, but there's almost this like wariness of of the, the stereotypical American. There is. And to be honest, I mean, I don't see it that much. Like maybe I just, the, Ameri- the Americans I meet are really sound and really nice. So I just meet the right ones. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough to, sh- I mean, once a, once a group of people or a nation gets a reputation, it's tough to shake. Like, you know, Canadians have this reputation of being laid back and sound and, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with it. If that's what you want to think I'm like, then, then go for it. But yeah, I just think it's, those reputations are really just tough to shake. I mean, I think America, I don't know, that's a problem of going native for, for, for want of a better term as I have. I don't really see a lot of like tourists and a lot of things like that but I don't know where it comes from the, the, I know why I know where it comes from like American foreign policy and American you know the American state but in my own personal experience has been like that like the Americans I've met over here are all they've all been really sort of dead on really sort of nice but that that wider reputation I guess is tough to shake yeah I wonder if part of it is that you know in in destinations that are more tourist sites you tend to meet young Americans doing a sort of gap year backpacking trip and maybe they don't, they just don't give a fuck and they'll just like do yeah. it, whatever they want. But I mean, out of, out of, you can say about every nation on earth. I mean, yeah, I've been in hostels when I was younger and I did the hostel thing and you know, drunk asses from Vancouver singing home for a rest. Oh, wow. <laughs> popular voice at like you know, two in the morning. Like, We're supposed to be nice. People. You know, so like every, Every every nation has their drunken idiots, I suppose. I feel like it's it's one of those things with Americans, and we'll we'll move off the subject because this is about Canadian expatriates. <laughs> but, but I feel like it's one of those things, one of those um, stereotypes, or just one of those those stories that gets passed around. But it's not really that provable anymore. Like you're not really going to encounter Americans like that in your travels these days. They're actually all the Americans I meet are lovely. I love going to the states. And uh, I, I have no problem with it, but I was just curious about what the attitudes there, where those come from. And I think too now, like 
people go abroad. And I think probably Americans are so, you know, the Bush years and all the things subsequently in the last decade and a half have probably made them so sort of paranoid what people think of them. They probably have to, you know, they, they, they double down on their good behavior. So to make sure that, you know, you really can't piss off anybody here. Yeah, that's a good point. So what is it? I mean, you've been there, you've been in Belfast for just about 14, or I guess 14 years now. Um, yeah. what, did, what are the things that you miss about Canada in, in your sort of day-to-day life? These day-to-day things I don't mind. Like, I, I don't really miss out on a lot day-to-day. Like, for instance, like last night, I sat on my sofa and watched the Eskimo game on TV. Like, <laughs> the, world's a, the world's a really small place. It's just, I think it's, it's sharing experiences. You know, that Eskimo game, you know, obviously, like after the game, you know, like, nobody to talk to it about or if something happened like when the NDP won the election, you know, I my the day after the only one around in the house was my mother in law. So I was showing her all the news clips and God love her. She seemed to be getting into it. But you know, just wasn't the same as, you know, those things that happen and this is things like Twitter and Facebook and the internet and all that sort of things. You can still sort of you can still absorb this information. You can still get it all. You can still sort of experience it. That you have no way to share it with. Yeah. So that's the part that I sort of miss the most of is I'm um, like, you can get expensive coffee here. You can get, you know, go to trendy chicken joints that are everywhere else in the world. Like those sorts of sort of material things I find, especially in the last 10 years or so, like as the world's gotten smaller, those things don't seem to have changed that much. For sure. But it's just like things like, you know, wanting to, you know, if I'm at work and, you know, it's the day after the Oilers made a stupid trade or something. <laughs> and there's nobody to talk to about that, you know. That is the thing that I miss, just sort of sharing, sort of growing up in Edmonton, growing up in Canada, and sort of these Canadian things that happen. I have nobody really to share them with. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, those are more so than any sort of material. Like, I'm probably the first person in the history of this podcast who... I, I like the bacon here. It's it's fine. <laughs> is it like Canadian bacon though? Like the bacon that we get in the grocery no. store? No, it's it's back bacon here, but I I don't mind. <laughs> I basically view bacon as a complimentary item anyway. Like it's never the main focus of, of a meal. So, well, I I don't think it can be not not every time yeah. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. Um, you can get it's called streaky bacon here, the bacon you would get back home, and you can. You can get it here if you want. Yeah, but in terms of things that like, there's no sort of material sort of item that you get something you really want, you can get it sent shipped to you, or you can get it ordered, or you can stream anything anyway. So, and like my, of course, like my parents, and my mom's family, and my friends back home, I miss seeing them. Skype's great, but it's not sort of the same as it's not the same as being over there. I mean, this is the first year since I've lived over here that I'm not coming over in the summer. And I am sort of lamenting that a certain extent. Like, well, I'm not going over to Edmonton for a couple of weeks here. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. But it's the best It's the best time to come here, right? Oh, yeah. Like, it's great. Like, I've come over most of the times. I come over in July. And, you know, last time, a few times my wife's been over. Well, actually, that's not true. The first time I came over, at least Christmas, and it was like minus 30. And she was like, oh, my Lord, what is this? <laughs> It was our honey. It was our honeymoon. I took her to Edmonton in November. <laughs> You're mean. That's actually cruel. <laughs> Ooh, what have I got my What have I got myself into here? But every 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 trip we made since subsequently has been either in May or the summertime. So 
is there an expat, a Canadian expat community in Belfast that you've encountered of any particular size? Uh, not a huge one. Um, time to time, you sort of you meet people. Uh, funny story, a couple of years ago, I was walking through St. George's Market, which is, you know, the 104 market of Belfast. And I was wearing a leather shirt. And there was a guy manning one of the sandwich counters, catering to He was like, hey, are you an Oilers fan? Are you an Oilers shirt? So, yeah. And I was like, are you an Oilers fan? He's like, well, not exactly. He's like, oh. He's like, he said, I used to be an Edmonton Oilers. Like, what? what? Yeah, he's a guy. He, Jason Bowen was his name. He played for the Oilers. And then he came over. There's um, <laughs> I lived here 14 years, and it still sounds funny saying it. There's actually an, there's a hockey team in Belfast, an ice hockey team, as they call it here called the Belfast Giants. Yeah. And he came over and he played for them and he met a local girl, got married, retired, started a catering company, and here he is. So that is very strange. Yeah. So you get there always are sort of little things like that. Um there's no sort of expat community. I think I think in Dublin there's a bigger because just Dublin's a bigger city. It's a more sort of international cosmopolitan city. So you have more people from from our own. So it's still rare that you meet a Canadian. When I was younger and over here, and I was you know, sharing houses with guys who were students. You know, you'd meet more Canadians who just go to parties, and you'd meet more sort of universities attract, again, a more cosmopolitan sort of group of people. But now that I'm out in the suburbs, there aren't that many, you know, yeah. aren't, aren't that many. But not, in terms of like a community, you know, nothing big enough to call that. Just you do get the odd, oh, hey, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. And what about your kids? You you did you have you said you had two kids? Yeah, I've have a 5-year-old son and a 3-year-old daughter. And are you instilling Canadian knowledge uh into their tiny little brains these days or Yeah, well they they just it's just sort of just through osmosis. I mean, I'm you know, they, they spend a lot of time around me and obviously so there's Canadian things in the house, you know, there's you know, there's posters and various books and whatnot and you know, my mom keeps them both in Oilers and Team Canada gear. Then probably my son probably has more Oilers shirts than Connor McDavid. <laughs> so, you know, he's, so things like that. And of course, my mom's always like, my mom would come over quite a bit. She comes over a couple times a year. My dad comes over about once a year. And they would, they would both, both my parents, both, sorry, both my children have been over to Canada once or twice. No, actually, my, my daughter's been over once or twice. My son's been over three or four times already. So yeah, there's, there's definitely, Definitely, sort of that instilled in them. And then, talking going back to the earlier discussion about um, national identity, it's easier to say them. You know, you're Canadian. So the whole sort of Irish, are you Irish? Are you British? Just tell people you're Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> it's much easier. It's a better shorthand. Yeah, it's funny. So my son is sort of old enough to ask questions. And July in Belfast, it's the marching season, so that's the Orange Order, which is a big Protestant organization. They have a lot of marches, and some of them are contentious because they go to Calgary, whatever. But one of the things they do is they put up Union Jacks and Northern Ireland flags on every available street pole. And since one of the things Northern Ireland people love to do is get offended by everything, <laughs> so people, you know, people who don't like the flags complain about the flags, and people want the flag say, "Well, it's our national flag." Well, just, but anyway, so, so we were driving along one day, and my son's always like, "Daddy, is that our flag?" <laughs> uh yes no um listen when you're under the terms of the good friday agreement that's your decision to make son if you want to say it's your flag yes <laughs> if not no call it what you will funny 
just getting off the topic a bit. I was um, read a really good article uh, a couple of weeks ago. Graham McDowell, who's a golfer from here, and he grew up in what's called a mixed marriage. So he had a Protestant dad and Catholic mom or the other way around. So again, so the issue of national identity is always sort of on center of us. So now being a golfer, he lives in Florida and he's got like an American daughter, an American wife. And he sees how they embrace their patriotism, how they sort of have that, you know, there's, there's no ambiguity about what they are. Yeah. And he said he's almost, he almost looks at that, like almost forlornly, like he can't really. You know, there are people here who embrace, call themselves Irish and they embrace that identity. And I guess culturally, I sort of identify like with my dad's side of the family is, you know, nationalist and those things they identify with here, I can sort of identify with, but, you know, I'm not all the way into that. And again, people who are, Unionist and loyalist and embrace Union Jack and love that. You know, if that's what you are, yeah, God love you, that's great. But there are a lot of people I hear, I notice you're kind of like me, who are kind of like just sort of floating in the middle, like, you know, just. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, there is sort of that sort of tension always kind of there. Yeah. So no. that's, that, that's why, and who knows if, if Scotland. Scotland vote for independence in the next few years. They can they can claim to be Scottish as well. So <laughs> now, before I let you go, I just I, I do want to ask you one more question. Is there something in Belfast, like a Canadians traveling through the UK, they wind up in Northern Ireland and they're in Belfast? Is there something that you would tell a Canadian traveler they must check out in Belfast? In where the Giants play, it's this big sort of arena complex called the Odyssey, and in the Odyssey there is I never seen anything like it for the world's only or northern ireland's only like spells itself as northern ireland's only canadian themed sports bar <laughs> really? so yeah it literally has like you know there's a there's a wall of canadian university sports team paraphernalia which i doubt there's a bar in canada that has that <laughs> there's a wall dedicated to the gretzky trade i think is you know I, I moved from edmonton and then you know there's there's like a wall dedicated like the most traumatic thing of my childhood <laughs> sitting right there, so it's 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 a trip. Like it's like again, I think the guy who wants is Canadian. Um, other than that, if you're going to check out, but other than Canadiana side, um, do a black taxi tour. They're um, that take you around all the sort of peace walls and all the sort of you know the darker sort of elements of Belfast history, which you know the troubles were. God, they were awful. They were horrible. They just, you know, there was yeah, a, yeah. a lot of people were killed. Yeah, but, but it was, you know, it's, it is a fascinating history. So it's worth checking that out. And also Belfast, um, where the Titanic was built, and in the last ten years they've really embraced the whole Titanic thing. So there's been a big development in East of the city called the Titanic Quarter. It's where they, your another Northern Ireland other claims of fame now is where a good part of Game of Thrones is shot here. Yeah. So they, they're really embracing that tourism as well. So if you're Game of Thrones fans, they have Game of Thrones tourism here. So they have a, the people here have a great dark sort of sense of humor and they kind of say how fitting it is that, you know, we're known for like the Troubles, which is this horrible 40-year civil war and Titanic, the world's most famous shipwreck. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like our claims to fame, but you know, people here are great too. I think one of the things over here that people have a tough time Thinking of tough time understanding what Canada is just the sheer vast size of it, like just how big how big Canada is. Yeah. About a year ago, WestJet announced their services from their they have a flight now if I go from Dublin to St. John's. A lot of my coworkers were like, Hey, well, that's good for you. You know, that's good for you for getting home. 
like, no, you don't understand. Dublin and St. John's isn't helping me at all. St. John's is closer to Dublin than it is Edmonton. Like, it doesn't help me at all. <laughs> and a flight from St. John's to Edmonton is like like a mortgage payment. Yeah, the domestic flight from Canada or something, aren't they? <laughs> so you, you, like, do these hypotheticals, you can plan these hypothetical trips home. It's like, really? Really? Yeah. Vast distances continue to perplex people who aren't from this country, and it's something that we as Canadians live with all the time. Thank you so much to Colm Heaney for speaking with me on this episode of The Expats. I have been your host, Adam Rosenhardt, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself, and let's create this global network of Canadians living abroad. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks.